Welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast, a podcast all about inspiring and encouraging dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, parenting, and faith on the fly. Fly fishing helped me release. Fly fishing allowed me to go out on the stream and not hear the sirens, mm. not hear the radio, not hear the background noise of whatever was bothering me. And I don't think I'm unique. That was Mr. Bo Beasley. Bo is the festival director of the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival and the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. He previously served as a firefighter and paramedic with the Fairfax County Fire and Rescue Department in Springfield, Virginia. He's an author who has written for multiple fly fishing publications. He's authored two books, Fly Fishing Virginia, A No-Nonsense Guide to Top Waters, and Fly Fishing the Mid-Atlantic, A No-Nonsense Guide to Top Waters. And he's currently working on a new book, which we talk about in today's episode, The Project Healing Waters Fly Fishing. It's going to bring stories to life of brave men and women who have served in the military. We have a phenomenal conversation with Bo about him getting hooked on fly fishing in a very interesting way, uh, what it's meant for him to be able to write on fly fishing, and how he has used his writings, his uh, talks, and hosting two fly fishing festivals to really help others become introduced to this sport and this passion that we all love. Again, love this conversation with Bo, and as you're going to hear, uh, one of the reasons we got real excited to do this interview with Mr. Bo Beasley is because Dads on the Fly is going to be at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. That is coming up January 14th and 15th, 2023. It's going to be taking place in Doswell, Virginia at the Farm Bureau Center there. Uh, it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. There are so many amazing vendors. There are so many amazing classes. You're going to hear all about that festival in our conversation with Bo, and you can find tickets to get yourself there at vaflyfishingfestival.com. That's VA, the abbreviation for Virginia, flyfishingfestival.com. It's going to be a phenomenal weekend. Josh and I are going to be there with our wives. We're going to get a chance to... Uh, have a booth and hopefully get to meet a lot of folks. We'd love to meet you, make yourself out there. And uh, it is going to be a phenomenal weekend as we just get to learn more about this passion that just consumes a lot of us. And so we are so grateful for Bo for giving us the opportunity to be at the festival. And uh, we are just can't wait to experience it all. And we get into a lot about the festival coming up in our conversation with Bo. Well, before we dive into that conversation, we do want to take a moment to thank all of our sponsors. We are so grateful to those who continue to sponsor this podcast and uh, pour into us so that we can continue to produce great content for you. So we highly encourage you to go check them out. Uh, one of those sponsors is the Maggie Valley Fly Shop, located in the heart of downtown Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Maggie Valley Fly Shop is your full service fly shop and guide service. You can find them online at maggievalleyflyshop.com. We also want to thank Anadromous Fly Company for sponsoring the podcast. Anadromous Fly Company is your sharpest decision in fly tying. They provide tools and scissors for you, and you can check them out at aflyco.com. Use the promo code DADS20 at checkout for 20% off your order. Well, we're going to dive into today's episode. Now, let me tell you, this conversation with Bo was just so much fun. It's really fun when we do these interviews. Josh and I laughed afterwards where we don't have to talk a whole lot. 
we just kind of get to ask questions and let our guests roll. And Bo does a phenomenal job just telling so many great stories about time on the water, about what the water means to him, about how he's able to use uh, fly fishing to help other people. And we get also to talk a lot about the upcoming Virginia Fly Fishing Festival. So make sure uh, to go check it out. Uh, you can see all the links to all of the things that we talk about in today's show notes. So make sure you check those out as well. And without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Mr. Bo Beasley. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of Dads on the Fly, and tonight Caleb and I are sitting uh, around Caleb's little fly time desk, a little change of venue tonight, and we have a special guest with us, Caleb. Um, we have with us Mr. Bo Beasley, and I don't want to interrupt uh, or mess up, excuse me, his title, so I'm going to let you tell everybody his title. Mr. Bo Beasley is... Yeah, Bo's the uh, festival director for the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival, and also the Texas fly fishing and brew festival is that right bo Did i get those right that's correct awesome that's man correct. and bo we are excited to have you on tonight uh not only do you do these awesome festivals uh you're a prolific writer um you've got writing in a lot of different publications out there talking about conservation and uh all kinds of different things related to fly fishing and so bo we're pumped to have you on the show thank you so much for being with us bo well thank you so much for being here guys i really appreciate the invitation and consider it an honor to be invited on well, we're excited to have you on, man. Uh, one of the things we love doing, Bo, is, you know, you obviously, you, you're directing these festivals and these shows. Uh, you're doing a lot of writing about flash fishing. You've got a great heart and a great love for this sport that we have found. So we want to hear your story. How did you get into fly fishing? Well, it, it's kind of strange. Um, I'm actually a retired firefighter and paramedic. I served for 30 years with Fairfax County, and when I finished, I was the captain on my shift and senior paramedic uh in stage on station 27 which is in west springfield but uh, when i had been in the department about eight years nine years i was a sergeant assigned to a, a medic unit and i actually got detailed ironically to fire station 27 um and i was running a mobile intensive care unit that day and we got a call to burke lake for an elderly gentleman that got stunned by a bee and was having heart palpitations. So I showed up and sure enough, there was an elderly gentleman there and he's having a little bit of difficulty breathing, but not a lot and put him in the back of the medic unit. And I put the heart monitor on him and took all his vital signs. And I was talking to him and got him calmed down. And uh, I said, listen, we probably up take you into the hospital and let him have a look at you. And he said, he really didn't want to go. I said, well, just, you know, humor me. Let's go in and have a look at you. And then if nothing else, then we'll know that better to be safe than sorry. So I'm on my way to the hospital with, with this older gentleman, and his name was Bob. And I said, so, Bob, were you out here fishing? He said, no, I was just out here walking around Burke Lake for exercise. But I do fish. I fly fish. And I said, wow. I've, I've always wanted to learn how to fly fish. That, that's really cool. And uh, he said, well, he squinched his eyes down and got real serious. He said, son, do you golf? And I said, no, no, sir, I don't golf. He said, good, son, because you can't afford to golf and fly. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's great. So he said, if you like, I'll teach you. Yeah. And I was like, Wow. That's kind of odd, but okay. So I wrote down his phone number 
And about four days later, I called him back and uh, I said, hey, I'm the guy that picked you up. Um, and he was adamant that he wanted me to call him. So about four days later, we went back to Burke Lake and we got on a John boat and I went out with Bob and uh, his name was Bob Guess. I had no idea who he was, no clue. And we're we're fishing in Burke Lake, and he opens up this three-level 747 tackle box. You know what I mean when I say oh, yeah. 747? Yes, oh, yeah. Right, three different levels. Yes, right? sir, yep. We, he opens up this enormous 747 tackle box with three trays, and it's full of popping bugs. That's it. That's all there is. Yeah. There must have been a thousand of them in there, right? And I didn't I didn't know anything. So he ties on a popping bug and we head over to uh uh this stand of cattails and I make this pretty horrible cast for a person who was brand new, you know, didn't know much. The casting looked like one of those Japanese interpretive dances, you know, where you yeah. swirl around the, that's what my fly line looked like. But I I managed to get a cast out. And then it got absolutely hammered by a bluegill. And then I was like, dude, I I've never done drugs before, but this has got to be like getting hot. <laughs> I got I gotta get some of this. So I I brought in that bluegill and I'm like, dude, I will, we're gonna do that again. And we spent the whole afternoon doing that, and I was just completely and totally enamored. I yeah. just I was like, I, I, I can't get enough of it. I said, this is awesome. So we went fishing a few more times, and he said, well, you know, son, you really need a fly rod. So I'm going to take you out and buy you a fly rod. So he took me out to Dance of Sporting Goods in Colonial Heights, Virginia, bought me my first fly rod, which was a Cortland fly rod, and an outfit, bought the whole thing, gave it to me. Gave me a few more casting lessons, and we started going fishing a lot. So now I'm fishing with this guy once a week, twice a week, and we're going to all kinds of different ponds and lakes. And then one day he said, Hey, um, there's a there's a big fly fishing show up and at this point it was in Somerset, New Jersey. In Somerset, New Jersey, and I really want to go, but I really don't want to drive that far. And at this point I think I was probably twenty two and he was probably seventy. And he said, I'll make you a deal. If you drive me up to this fly fishing show, I'll pay for everything. I'll pay for the gas. I'll pay for the hotel. I'll pay for everything. And I'd never been to one before. So I said, yeah, okay, sure. So I was young, single. I had a four-day break, drove up to New Jersey. We go in, and I notice right away that people are looking at this guy, like looking at him. Like we'd walk by and he'd be watching. And we'd come up with some booth and there'd be some people that would see him and they kind of like, I, I don't want to say bow or anything like that, but it was obvious that this guy was somebody, but I didn't have any idea who this guy was. <laughs> That's wild. Well, yeah, the long and the short of it is the, the Bob was Bob guess. Who's the namesake of Mr. Bob's lucky day lures. And at the time they were probably, uh, he and Walt Carey were two of the best known popping bug makers in the country. Wow. I had no idea who I was with. So this guy was selling poppers all over the country. Plenty of people knew who he was. And, uh, I, you know, I, I joked, I said, it's like going out and, and bumping into a guy at the golf course and him offering to 
give you some casting stroke and and at the end of the day you find out that your buddy Arnold who's been helping you with your <laughs> swing is Arnold Palmer yeah. right you, you just didn't know yeah. right he never said a word well long and the short of it is we became very very good friends and um I eventually started working for him as a basically as a manufacturer's representative and I went all over the mid-Atlantic on my days off selling popping bugs and that's how I got involved in the fly fishing industry and you have to understand that you know you don't know what you don't know so in the beginning all i knew was popping bugs yeah so i'm in the rappahannock river in virginia in march fishing for shad with a popping bug because that's all i know <laughs> yeah right if you don't know any better you don't know anybody yeah right so almost everything i learned i learned the hard way but um uh, Bob taught me how to cast and introduced me to the world of fly fishing. And one day, um, an editor for some unknown reason called the office and, uh, they may even been trying to sell us an ad for all I know. Mm. And he's like, Hey, can you write something up about these popping bugs? I said, well, I, I don't know anything about that. He said, look, just, just tell me how they're made and what they do, and how to use it. So I wrote this little article. Didn't think that much about it. Sent it to the, it was called Virginia Outdoor Weekly, and the editor was named Jim Brewer. I didn't think that much about it. About two weeks later, I get this paper in the mail, full color, and I look, and I see what every outdoor writer dreams about. I see my name in print. Wow. And the and I see Bob Bo Beasley, and I go, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That's pretty cool. So then I just started writing more and more and uh, having no training, didn't know what I was doing. And I would just, my style was just to say, here's where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And, and I remember this editor approached me about writing more. And I told him, I said, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll never forget what he said. He said, Bo. Just get in the car and pretend like you're taking me fishing with you and hmm. just tell me what you're doing. And that's what I did. And then I had one magazine after another contact me. Either I contacted them or sometimes, uh, and what a lot of people don't know is all these magazines read their competitors. Mm -hmm. So I would have other magazines contact me and say, hey, I read your article in Flytire. or would you do one for American Angler? I've read one in American Angler. Would you do one for Eastern Fly Fishing? Would you do one for, you know, uh, all kinds of different publications? I wrote for the Mid-Atlantic Fly Fishing Guide. Some of the publications have now gone uh, out of uh, out of uh, circulation. But I eventually got to the point where one day I wanted to fish Mossy Creek in Virginia. Uh, probably the best known trout stream in the entire state. I'll never forget. I had a guidebook with me and I could see Mossy Creek from the road, had the guidebook with me and could not figure how to access the river. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm driving up and down and driving up and down and dri and I'm looking at the map. I'm looking at the river and I'm like, this is confusing as all get out. And I remember getting angry. Now, this is, I've probably been fly fishing six or seven years and, and writing that long, at least by then. 
And I remember practically throwing the book down in the floorboard of the car. And I remember telling myself, dude, I can do better than this. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing and I can do better than this. And that's how I ended up writing my first guidebook, Fly Fishing Virginia, was literally because I was frustrated that I could not find where to park and how to access Mossy Creek. And um, so I ended up, by that time, I was in multiple national magazines on a pretty regular basis. And I wrote Fly Fishing Virginia, which covers 45 locations in Virginia, uh, cold water, warm water, salt water. It's full color. And they all come with maps and where to park and what flies to use and the closest fly shop. And about four years went by and my publisher called me and said, hey, man, this thing is going really good. You ought to do one on the whole Mid-Atlantic. So I did. Then I followed up with fly fishing the Mid-Atlantic and it covers seven states and 45 waters, North Carolina, um, Maryland, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Virginia, um, and just an overall view, but, you know, warm water, cold water, salt water, not a whole lot about anything, but a little bit about everything. Yep. And I don't try to give away the store. Um, all of these rivers follow a certain format where you write an introduction about, is it a warm water river or a cold water river? What's the prevalent species? What's the time of year? And, uh, but by that time, I had developed relationships with a lot of other outdoor writers. So I would go hang out with Eric Strout and write about Pennsylvania on the Little Juniata. And then I'd go up and visit my buddy Terry Peach up in Delaware and write about the Brandywine. Or I'd go down in North Carolina and hook up with, with Kevin Howe and oh, fish yeah. the Davidson, yeah. right? So, and I don't try to... I just try to give you the basics. I tell people, I, I give you kind of the, I put down the formation and the floors, uh, foundation and the walls and the roof of the house, but you got to put in all the furniture and you got to put in all the windows yourself and, and do the research. And one of the, one of the coolest things um, I saw was a guy who I was at a show signing books. I'll never forget this. So I'm, I'm signing books. And the guy walks up to me and says, would you please sign my book? And I said, sure. So I'm autographing this book. And I notice that there's signatures on all kinds of different pages in the book. And I flip through and there's two signatures in multiple places. And I looked at the guy and I said, um, do you mind telling me who these signatures are? He said, yes. He said, that's me and my grandson. And we take your book. And we go to a place, and when we fish it, when we're done, we both sign it. That's cool. What a cool story. And I thought, dude, how cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. You know? So I like to think that, you know, as a paramedic and a firefighter, fly fishing really helped me save my sanity. You mm. know, I, firefighters and police officers and paramedics see some pretty horrible things. It's not like watching uh, William Shatner and Rescue 911 where there's always a happy ending. That's not real life. Yeah. I've seen more people die than I can than I can remember, whether it's shootings, stabbings, car wrecks, burning buildings, suicide victims, murder victims. Um, and that's not all, you know, traumatic injuries with amputations and stuff. I mean, I get to help a whole lot of people, lots and lots of people. 
And um, I can honestly say there were times when my team and I showed up and they were dead when we got there and they were alive when we left the hospital mm. by the grace of God and good training that Fairfax County Fire and Rescue Department gave me. But fly fishing helped me release. Fly fishing allowed me to go out on the stream and not hear the sirens, mm. not hear the radio, not hear the background noise of whatever was bothering me. And I don't think I'm unique. I think everybody, whether they're an attorney or a doctor or a bricklayer or a stonemason or they hang sheetrock, when they go out on that river, that's what they're thinking about. And all that other stuff just kind of washes away. And, and I like going out and being in God's creation and saying, thank you, God. You created all of this. You created it for me and all the other people that are here. And I just want to recognize you and thank you for doing that and then do my part to try to help, you know, do the right thing conservation wise. And um, remember that I have a responsibility to, to the river and I want to leave it as good, if not better than, than when I found it. So that's how I got involved uh, with fly fishing and started writing. And, and it's all kind of, kind of happenstance, you know, and, and now um by the grace of God, if things work the way they should. Um, after I did my book, Fly Fish in the Mid-Atlantic, the artist who illustrated the book was named Alan Folger, and he was from North Carolina, Air Force veteran from Vietnam. And he called me one day at the fire station. He said, hey, uh, I've got your next book. I said, Alan, I'm not, I just finished this book on the Mid-Atlantic. I'm not interested in doing another book. I'm, 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 you know, I was working full time for the fire department, which at the time was 56 hours a week. So I was working 56 hours a week and writing for three different magazines. And I had a wife and two kids. I didn't, I'm not interested in doing another book, but he said, you really need to write a book about project healing waters. Mm. And I'd been involved at that point, volunteering off and on with project healing waters for a number of years. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I should do that. So for the past eight years, I have been writing this book. And thank God, it should come out in March of, of next year, in the spring of 2023. And it will be about uh, 35 veterans and or volunteers. And the same way, how did they get into fly fishing? What's their journey? You know, whether they were a, a sniper in the Marine Corps or whether they were a paratrooper or whether they served on the ship as a sailor or, you know, whatever, or an airman. Some of them were combat medics. Some of them were electricians, uh, sappers or what we would call, you know, uh, Army version of the CV, right? Construction combat engineers. And it just tells their story. So. I have spent the past eight years off and on just hanging out with these guys and getting to know them. Because when I first started writing the book, um, I had no idea what I was doing. Nothing. Everything I'd ever done was like a guidebook. So I actually spent about a year off and on working on it. And then I started writing it or what I thought. And I gave the manuscript to my wife and she read it and said, well, that's pretty good. 
which means it's horrible. <laughs> That's perfect. And and she always gives it to me straight, right? She's not my wife. It's a good uh, lady. Yeah, her her maiden name was McLaurin. She's a redheaded Scotswoman, and she just gives it to you straight, right? She Love it. Drinks Guinness when she drinks, which is not often, and she just gives it to you straight. She's like, this reads like a guidebook. These these men and women, they're not rivers. You don't know these people as well as you should. You need to stop writing and start being with them. Hmm. Just be with them and really get to know them. So I did. That's exactly what I did. I stopped writing. And this was after I had, had been invited um, by Ed Nicholson to go on, a, who was the founder of Project Feeding Waters, to go on a national trip and spend some time and end up writing about that trip. And some of those people, and some of those people are actually in my book, too. Uh, the person that I dedicated the book to, Brian Mancini, who unfortunately committed suicide, I met on that trip. And um, I shadowed the program Healing Waters program in Fort Belvoir, Virginia, and in Quantico, Virginia. Went to those two programs for off and on for multiple years and found veterans that I wanted to be with. And because you can't, you couldn't walk up to me and say, hey, dude, I want to be in your book. Doesn't work that way. I went to the two program leads, which were Bob Gartner and in, in, um, Fort Belvoir and Marty Laxberg, um, Marine Corps based Quantico, told them what I wanted to do. And they listened to me and they sat down and they said, great. Well, here's how it works. You're happy to come. We're happy to have you with us. Do whatever you want to do. You just have to remember we have one rule and only one rule. I said, okay, what is it? He said, the veterans always come first. Mm. They always come first. And as long as you're good with them always coming first, this is going to be good. And I spent a lot of time, like I've spent thousands and thousands of hours on this book. Um, doing the research, getting to know the veterans, whether it's, you know, my friend Keith Gilbert, who's a paratrooper from uh, Georgia, or Clem Danish, who now lives in uh, South Carolina, but at the time had been assigned to the 10th Mountain Division uh, in New York. Just men and women who have been there, done that, and suffered injury or an illness. And, and one misconception about Project Healing Waters is people think that that they have to be combat injured veterans. And that's not true. It can be any branch of the service, whether it's, you know, combat related injury or not illness, or I had veterans um, that I interviewed that were two of them that were involved in horrific motorcycle accidents. So they were both in the army. They both nearly died riding a motorcycle. Neither one of them was at their fault. And they nearly died and it ended their military career. So, but fly fishing literally taught them how to walk. Wow. That's awesome. Gave them the desire to know how to walk because you have to wait. You got to yeah, get out in the yeah, river. For sure. And they learned fine motor skills by tying flies or building fly rods and, um, it's just been, it's been epic 
That's awesome. Getting to know these men and women and, and having the honor of writing about them. So, uh, the you said that's coming in, out in March. Yeah. Yeah. It's called uh, healing waters, veteran stories of recovery in their own words. So these will be all real people. You will see pictures of them. Nothing has been, um, added and it's all true stuff and it's 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 authentic pretty it's, raw it's yeah not it's it's not for the faint of heart i'll just say that gotcha i can't wait for that that's gonna be phenomenal thanks for doing that thanks for putting in the work for yeah. doing that and honoring those folks i had no um, idea um just in meeting bo and, and talking about uh all the writing that you've done we've, we've always been talking about other things in the fly fishing industry so i'm uh i'm so glad that we were able to to learn that tonight from you and hear that story about um i was checking out all, most of all your books are still available correct um all of your guide yeah books. they're both they're the, the two guide books fly fishing virginia and fly fishing the mid-atlantic they're both put out by no nonsense guide book series out of arizona and i would encourage your listeners please please support your local fly shop go to your local fly shop and buy the book there or contact you know a store uh, like Mally, uh, Maggie Valley Fly Shop and say, look, I want, can you, can you get Bo Beasley's book on fly fishing in the mid-Atlantic or whatever it is? Because we really, we have to support our local fly shops. Oh, yeah, for sure. Whether it's Precision Fly and Tackle in Pennsylvania or, you know, Mossy Creek Fly Shop in Harrisonburg, Virginia or Culture on the Fly uh, in Richmond, Virginia, or Green Top. There are all kinds of fly shops out there, and they need our support. They oh, need yeah. every sale they can get. So, yes, you could go get it on Amazon. There's no doubt about that. Uh, or you can probably get it at a Barnes & Noble. I, it's kind of weird. The first time I, I went to a barn, you know how weird it is to go on Barnes & Noble see and your see your book? book. I bet that, that's an that, awesome that thing. It freaked me out. Yeah. It, really, <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So go to your local fly shop and they'll, they'll help you. Yeah, that's and, great. And if for some reason they don't have it or they can't just, you know, reach out to me through my website and I'm, I'll make sure you get one. That's awesome. awesome. Thanks, Bo. Well, we want to transition how, uh, how Bo and I came to meet and then how we all kind of came to meet. And um, somebody told me that uh, you should really check out this fly fishing show in Virginia. And, um, and I got to talking and some, somehow they connected me with you. I don't even remember how that happened. And I got your email and um, went some emails back. And so how did this awesome writing career and sounds like fishing and all over the, the country really in a great fishing career turn into hosting or being the festival director of these fly fishing shows that you do? How did that transition? Well, it's interesting. Um, when I was still in the fire department and I was living in Herndon, I got a phone call from uh, a fly shop owner, a very small shop. And he had been to the fly fishing show, which at the time had been in uh, College Park, Maryland, put on by my friends, Chuck Fremsky and his his wonderful wife, Janet. And now their son, Ben, runs it. Well, at the time, it was at College Park, Maryland. And it has since moved to, to a different location, which sometimes that happens. But I've been to Somerset, New Jersey, and I've been to their event in, in uh, College Park. Well, my buddy calls me up and he says, hey, man, we ought to, we ought to do a, a fly fishing event in Virginia. We need to have a fly fishing event in Virginia. And I said, 
I don't know anything about that. I mean, I, I've gone to them, but I know I absolutely know nothing about it. He said, well, I don't know either, but maybe we can we can learn. So I started thinking about it and I thought, well, you know, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do that. Kind of like you with your podcast. You didn't know what you didn't know. You just knew you wanted to do something, but you didn't know. Right. <laughs> so I thought about it and I thought, you know what? Sounds like a really good idea. And at this point, I had a lot of connections. I knew a lot of people. Um, and I'll never forget. I called this one particular shop and I was pitching them on the idea. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have this event and it's going to focus on fly fishing. And um, the guy did a huge favor. He said, no, it'll never work. (laughs) And when he said, no, it will never work. I hung up the phone and I said, well, we'll see. (laughs) I love that. With the the fire, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like every other human being out there i suffered tremendously with pride and uh i thought well this is something i'd like to do and <laughs> kind of went along that way and started what was uh uh the virginia excuse me the old dominion fly fishing show and it started out at a community college and keep in mind i didn't know anything N- nothing and uh, I was talking to my wife one day, and she said, well, how do these things work? I said, well, you know, you, you get these well-known fly fishing people, and they all come together, and you sell booth space, and you hope you cover your cost, and then you sell. But you don't make any money until people come. And uh, I remember working my first year. I worked really hard. We literally had the money in a cigar box. I'm not making that <laughs> wow. up. And my wife... Uh, we had it at Northern Virginia Community College. My wife and I were so exhausted. She ran the front. She ran the front, and I ran in the back with all the vendors. She left the money oh, on the wow. table outside in the hallway. Oh gosh! She didn't bother to tell me because she knew that I wouldn't have been able to sleep. But we pulled it off, and uh, when all was said and done. I made a grand total of thirty-seven dollars <laughs> for for about ten months worth of wow, life. yeah. Um, and I remember calling Lefty, who Lefty Cray, and, and that again, that was my wife's idea because uh, I mentioned that we needed well-known speakers, and she said, "Well, who's the best-known fly fishing person in the world?" I said, "Well, that'd be Lefty Cray." I, yeah. Oddly enough, he only lives about an hour and a half from here, and she said, "Well, you should call him." I said, "I'm yeah, not going to call Lefty Cray. He's not going to come to my event." And she said, well, how do you know until you ask him? So I called him up, told him who I was, told him what I wanted to do. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll come. Sure. Now, you got to understand, it's the most famous fly yeah. fishing guy in the world. Could have gone anywhere. He knew that it was going to be a goat rope, right? Because it's <laughs> brand new. Yeah. He yeah. knows that, you know, I barely know which end of the fly rod to hold, much less how to run an event. <laughs> But he gave me some great advice, and he said, Bo, here's what you need to know about the fly fishing industry. He said, there are only two people, two people in fly fishing. I will never forget this. There are only two people in the fly fishing industry, and only two. The people that show their knowledge and the people that share their knowledge. Mm. And you want to have the latter at your events 
and avoid the former like the plague. Hmm. I never forgot that. That's awesome. So, um, and I'm sure, you know, I tell people if you've been in the fly fishing, if you've been in the fly fishing industry for 10 minutes and walked into a fly shop, somebody's talked down to you. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, I think we're getting better yeah. about that as an industry. I think we're trying to make a vested interest and in trying to be more welcoming to everybody. And, um, I'll tell you a quick story about myself. You'll like, I remember going it. Now, remember all I know is all I know is popping bugs. And I went into a fly shop one time. And when you, when you look at something, you always look at that something from your perspective, mm -hmm. right? Your history and your background, that's the way you look at something. Well, I walked into to a fly shop in, in Western Virginia, and I looked and I saw all these flies. You know, they got 427 different names. L.T. Cahill. L.T. Huh. My abbreviations at work by this point were LT because I was a lieutenant. So, obviously, this a is lieutenant a Lieutenant Cahill fly. Cahill fly. <laughs> this Lieutenant Cahill fly, I bet this was invented by a cavalry officer. Right? So, I go to the fly shop, I'll take some of those Lieutenant Cahill flies. I thought the guy was going to be his pants. He laughed so hard. And he said, yeah, that's not a lieutenant, K. That's LT for light. And he said, you see the DK? That stands for dark. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, you know, we all uh, we all in the process of learning. It's like you said, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, you don't know what you don't know. And, and I'm passionate about sharing my love of fly fishing and, um, you know, my love of country and my love of God and just letting people enjoy themselves and get away from the craziness that is this world right now for sure and get involved in fly fishing. So the fly fishing festival is all about learning about fly fishing on your own terms. And now I look back and uh, this coming January 14th and 15th will be the 22nd annual Virginia Fly Fish and Wine Festival. 22nd annual. Wow. 22nd annual Virginia Fly Fish and Wine Festival. And I've had a lot of help. Uh, this is not something I've done by myself. I would be not honest with you if I told you that I had done this by myself. That would be a lie. Mm. I've had huge help. Um, had a lot of help uh, from uh, Dana Quillen and Lynn Poulin, who are both non fly fisher people that gave me some really good business advice and i probably have at least 25 to 45 volunteers over the course sure. of the weekend yeah and i have about eight core people on my quote-unquote festival staff and they're all police officers or firefighters or prior military or they're married to a marine you know it we run a pretty tight ship it's pretty pretty paramilitary as far as trying to have everything in order and going to say, you know, it's going to be organized. You, know, that's that what way. you have to do. Right. Yeah. And I, and I tell people, you know, my training with the fire department is perfect for event management. Yeah. Because sure. it's all about getting things lined up and being ready before you need them. Mm. Because by the time you need it, it's too late. Yeah. That's a good point. We can't wait to, to see what it's like. I, I'm getting excited stoked, just sitting man. here, but before we kind of talk about, maybe let's talk about Bo, while we're on the show, 
for our listeners, um, people in the area, what does it look like to come to this show? Um, what can they expect? I know you've talked to me off air about how it's a show for everybody. It's not a show just for the advanced angler. And I think just hearing you talk right. tonight, you can so, definitely so hear that. Of, right. So a couple of things. We, we want to be true to our mission and to share our passion of the quiet sport with, with everybody. So we have classes for the very beginner who doesn't know anything, who doesn't want, maybe doesn't even want to spend any money, right? They're, they're going to take a free walk-up casting class. That's fine. Um, and if you want to pay some extra money and take a paid casting class, beginner's casting class, Wanda Taylor uh, out of Georgia, uh, Georgia, excuse me, Tennessee, normally teaches almost all of those for us. And I want to point out, she teaches the beginner's class not because she's a beginner, but because she's so good, she can go from beginner to advanced. Uh, Wanda was the first master certified casting instructor in the FFF in the United States. Wow. And so if you want to learn how to cast or you want to learn uh, how to nymph, then you can spend some time talking to Mac Brown about nymphing or about a casting for distance. Or if you want to learn about how to fish streamers, you can spend some time with George Daniel. He will be there this year. Uh, my friend Tom Rosenbauer, who you know, will be there giving a class on uh, how to read the water or hatch strategies. So there's a little bit of everything. But, but the way it works, it's very straightforward. The festival runs from 9 to 5, Saturday and Sunday. It's at the State Farm Bureau building, um, which is um, State Fairgrounds, which is right beside Kings Dominion. It's very easy to get to. It's right off Interstate 95, just outside of Richmond. It's all inside. It's completely indoors. So even if the weather's bad, we can still have the event. Um, there is in, so the, Even the casting classes are inside. So there's inside casting classes. There are two casting ponds where you can actually cast a fly rod. You can watch people do demos and pick up some tips, or you can cast a rod that you want to try yourself. Maybe you want to cast one of the uh, Raleigh Rod Crafters' latest rods, or maybe you want to cast something that, you know, a sage rod that, that, uh, that Mossy Creek might have on hand, or you want to talk to the guys at Culture, Current Culture Fly Shop about shad fishing on the James River. So there's everything you can imagine from fly fishing for brook trout in the mountains, Smoky Mountains, to learning about how to fish for saltwater species. So there's a little bit of everything. And people can just go to the website and, and pick around, you know, look at the classes that they want to take. Some of the specialty classes have limited seating. And once those seats are gone, you, you, we can't get so many people in the room. And yeah. we want to make sure that people get their uh, get their time um, well and, and, and get their money's worth. The other thing that, that we're doing exciting this year is um, I am happy to put on what we're calling Beyond the Cast. Hmm. And that is our attempt to offer some intermediate to advanced casting, excuse me, intermediate to advanced fishing skills classes just for women. So oh, it's wow. called Beyond the Cast Women's Symposium. As far as I know, this has never been done before where I'm bringing in uh, multiple experts from all uh, different parts of the country. And it's a women's only class and they'll have everything from 
um, they're going to get some uh, very, very basic introduction in the beginning for people that might need it. But then they're going to have classes taught by, like, for example, uh, Kim Ranala, who's the uh, founder of Mayfly Waiter Company, and they're going to learn how to pick out waiters. How do waiters fit? How do you know? Footwear, what, how to, you know, what kind of, how footwear is different, uh, how to wade safely. We're going to have a class, again, for these women on uh, how to interact with wildlife. And it's actually going to be taught by female game wardens. So they're going to be talking about how to identify poisonous snake. What do you do if you see a coyote? What's your chance of running into a black bear? What does poison ivy look like? So, you know, interacting with wildlife, Celia Johnson will be getting a class on uh, fishing with a kayak. Hmm. Uh, We'll be having uh, classes on how to be a savage chopper. And my friend John Mazingo, who is a combat Marine, will be giving uh, safety classes on how women can be safe in the outdoors hmm. and keep themselves safe in the is outdoors. It- and it'll run it'll run over two beer a two two day period on Saturday. It, it, it's gonna the women's class will probably run from eight until two, and then the rest of the day. And we're gonna we're gonna have a catered lunch on Saturday and probably have a get together just for the ladies on Friday night at the hotel. But it'll be from 8 to 2 on Saturday, and then they can take the festival in the rest of the day, and then 9 to 12 on Sunday, and then the rest of the festivals. So they get a weekend pass. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Beyond the cl- and it's all sponsored by Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation's mm-hmm. Take Me Fishing Program. That's really that's sweet. Neat. What I'm also hearing just in you talk is it, it, it's like I said at the beginning, I think you told me this off air. It's, it's something for everybody. So if I'm a, if I'm a, young dad or i'm a dad with a kid i mean i can bring my kids just walk around too if i even if i don't have time to take a class just you know one of the things that um we really and i I was speaking to a lady tonight before uh, i was on the show with you guys um excuse me we're very pro children so if you want to bring your kids i don't care if you got nine kids we're not going to charge you for kids bring them with you right there's going to be all kinds of stuff there for you to eat right there's going to be we have um, uh, uh, interesting food trucks that will be there, like Calvert Seafood. So if you like seafood, there'll be seafood there. There'll be uh, eight different wineries. And when you come in, if you're over 21, we check your ID and you can go to all the wineries with our wine glass and taste the different wines. And if you like it, you can buy a glass That's awesome. and drink it right there. Or if you want to buy a bottle and take it home with you, then you can do you can do that and We'll also have um, uh, Steam Bell Brewery from Virginia as one of our sponsors. They will be there. I highly recommend their tiramisu stout, which is one of my, my favorite <laughs> Check beers. Check that out. So much so when I go by the beer truck, I don't even have to tell them what I want. They already know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. Uh, yeah. And uh, Orkney Springs Distillery will be there with their gin and and so you can try some spirits and it's all about having a relaxed environment yeah. and just enjoying yourself i'm ready to so, go tomorrow i can't wait man yeah we're, man, we're just you're getting us fired up for speaking sure. our language that, here that doesn't mean that that doesn't even mention you know the fly tires all the yeah, different fly tires sure. and people like uh tim uh, uh tim o'neill will be there with or vice and jim benzinger will be teaching a beginner's class my friend alan roop We'll be teaching a, an advanced saltwater fly time class. Um, so there, there's all kinds of opportunities. I'm also happy to say that uh, my friend Ken Edmond from Georgia will be there. 
uh, tying up his stealth bomber and doing some casting demos. So you're probably the biggest misconception um, about the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival. People are shocked when they get there and see, you know, lodges from Canada Mm. and South America. I mean, people come from all over the place. So even though it's called the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival, the vendors come from all over the country. Um, My friend Wayne McGee from uh, Alaska Trophy Adventures is going to actually give away six nights worth of fishing in Alaska. Oh, boy. Wow. Sweet. So it costs you, once you buy your admission ticket, a grand total of zero dollars to fill that out, and you might end up being able to fish in Alaska for a week. Wow. Sounds exciting. Yeah. We're, yeah. We can't wait, Bill. We're it's going to be awesome. We're excited. Uh, we're so grateful. We're going to be uh, – Dads on the Fly is going to have a booth at the show, and uh, we're excited well, we're to excited. – We're very excited to have Dads on the Fly there with the booth. There's all kinds of uh, young fathers and young mothers out there that need all the encouragement and need a break, and we want our kids to get off the cell phone and get in the water. Absolutely. Get, off, get off their laptops and get in the field. Yeah. Right? For oh, sure. yeah. So – well, we've already learned from you from the whole conversation we've been having, just the importance of being on the water. Um, I mean, I know you see that from your paramedic and firefighter career and then with working with all those veterans. Um, we obviously find something special about the water, too. Uh, I've, I've seen how it's been healing in my own life. And uh, to be able to encourage people to, to experience that. And, man, I, I, I'm sitting here. I'll be thinking about this forever, what you said a little while ago from Lefty about how uh, – there's guys that show their knowledge and there's guys that share their knowledge. And I appreciate you being one of the guys that's willing to share their knowledge. And, uh, well, I don't have and... much. <laughs> I don't have much knowledge, but I'm willing to share well, what I have. And one other thing I, I want, I'd love to point out that yep. <laughs> um, it's also important to support our nonprofit groups. You'll notice I'm, I'm wearing a hat from Alter Fly Fishing, and it's a great nonprofit that helps people connect. Uh, in the outdoors and provide some spiritual nourishment for people that need yeah. it. So you can meet people like Eric and uh, Alter Fly Fishing. Uh, you're going to get to meet people from Trout Unlimited will be there. Beverly Smith will be there, the vice president of Trout Unlimited. So everybody knows Trout Unlimited is a premier, you know, cold water conservation group there. Backcountry Hunters and Angers is going to be there. And, um, so it'll be a great time casting for recovery. And of course, Project Healing Waters will be there too. So I just encourage people to come out. There's something for everybody. You know, real recovery will be there. Reeling in recovery will also be there, which is an addiction recovery group that helps people deal with um, some of their challenges through fly fishing. So I would just encourage you to come out, try it out. And, and people ask me all the time, well, where do the people come from? And I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, we have people that routinely drive from as far away as Swanee, Georgia to the South and as far North as Syracuse, New York. All right. So I I joke, you know, people aren't driving nine hours one way to come buy $10 worth of popping. (laughs) You're driving nine hours. There's a lot of fly shops between your house and Doswell, Virginia. If you're going nine hours, Right. So clearly they see it as an event to go to. We joke that it's kind of like an annual migration because you see so much. <laughs> I like it. They like coming back every year. Well, 
Bo, I just want to say just from, from talking to you tonight and you being a part of our show, um, one, we'd like to have you back just to talk about some of your fishing adventures. I know tonight we focused a lot on uh, just your start of fishing and into the show. Um, but just hearing your personality, I, I would – and your show was successful and because of the, you care about people and you can kind of tell that in your in your voice and how you invest in these people's lives and these veterans. And, and I just want to say – I think I know where you draw that from, and I've heard you speak on it, but I wanted to give you a chance just uh, on our show to say, um, you know, as, as a man of God, what that means to you to just be involved in people's lives and to give back. Well, I, you know, I don't have anything that wasn't given to me. Mm. I don't have anything that wasn't given to me. And <clears throat> I know that um, I have a lot to be grateful for. And, um, you know, the, I think of the scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. And I feel like we're spending so much time right now in our country um, hollering at each other or, or waving our fingers at each other. And I think we need to spend a little time being understanding because people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. Right, yes, sir. And um, I, I'm very fortunate uh, to have friends all over the country, whether I'm doing the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival in Virginia in January, or in late February, I'll be in Mesquite doing the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival in the city of Mesquite. Same concept, except there it, it revolves around microbrewery beer. And let me tell you something, Texans know a thing or two about fly fishing <laughs> and microbrewery awesome. beer, right? Good combination. But I would just say, without equivocation, that um, what I have, I have by the grace of God. And anything, any skill, any opportunity, whether it be an opportunity to speak or an opportunity to write or to do a book or, or whatever, um, it comes out of a sense of responsibility and the fact that um, I, I, I guess I, I would rather say People right now are, are pretty upset about this political party or that political party or this topic or that topic. And I just want to say my hope and faith is not in a political party. I serve a king. That's good. My hope and faith is in Jesus Christ. And he's not up for election. He's a king. He was here before these other people were here. He's going to be here after they go. So I just need to keep myself rightly oriented and humble and understand that I need to serve other people and meet them where they are. You know, I got to be honest, in 30 years I was in the fire department, I ran thousands and thousands and thousands of calls. One time I estimated that I had been to the emergency room more than 5,000 times. Wow. And all those times, not one person asked me, Hey, what did you get on your paramedic recertification exam? <laughs> yeah. Nobody said, hey, when you graduated from rookie school, were you the number one firefighter recruit? <laughs> hey, um, you come out, you came out, Bo, you came out number four on the captain's list out of 167 people. How come you didn't come out number two? Nobody ever asked you that. They don't care. They're hurting and they want help. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what color you are. They don't care what sex you are. And that's what I liked about the fire department. We were there to help you 
on your worst day. And if that meant I had to climb in a car on the side of the road, upside down in a ditch in the snow, which I had done, if it meant I had to go into a burning building, if it meant um, I had to wrestle around on the ground with someone who maybe had one too many beers and didn't know when to stop, we were going to do whatever we had to do to help people. And I just feel like, you know, through these festivals and through the writing opportunities that God has graced me with, I want to continue to help any way that I can. And sometimes that just means being available. That's the biggest thing people don't understand. Uh, firefighters and police officers and soldiers, and they'll tell you this, they're not superhuman. They've just been trained and they're available. That's all. But if you're not available to help people, they're not going to get any help. If you're available, but you're not trained, then you're limited in what you can do. Mm. And all I know is that I want to do my best, whether it's running a fly fishing event or writing an article about river bottom access or how I'm writing about a Marine who's struggling with, you know, thoughts of suicide because of losing his buddies yeah. or, you know, uh, some injury or terrible thing that they saw, I am only allowed to live in this country in freedom because of the men and women sleeping in Arlington National Cemetery. That's it. God and the United States military. That's the only reason, exactly in that order, by the way, that's the only reason we're not speaking German or Japanese or Arabic. The only reason today is December 6th, right? Pearl Harbor Day. Yep. And we have it so good in this country, we don't know how good we have it. You don't ever appreciate the well till you get thirsty, right? Oh yeah. So I would just I would just say you guys are doing exactly the right thing. Keep encouraging those dads uh, and encouraging those moms because some of them have the hardest jobs in the world. Right. I remember I'll leave you this with this one thought before I go. When we had our second child, Jeremiah, I have my daughter uh, is now 20 years old. She's Maggie. And my son, Jeremiah, is 18. At the time I was uh, working and I was a captain and had our second child. And I'd been at home for two months on family leave. And they're like, well, Captain, you glad to be back at work? I said, yes. <laughs> I am glad to be back at work <laughs> because that. here it's easy. All I have to do is deal with shootings and stabbings and electrocutions and people trapped under cars. At home, I've got a two-year-old and a newborn. Yes, wow. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> there it is, folks, right there. <laughs> we can relate Where to it's that. Easy. Yeah, we can right? relate to that. Hardest job in the world is being a good mama. Yeah, absolutely. Could agree with you more. Bo, this is this has been awesome, man. We are uh, so appreciative to you. Thank you for sharing uh, just your heart, your passion, uh, your your love of this sport that we've all come to love. And um, I'm just grateful for what you're doing, for the way you're continuing to encourage anglers, to able to encourage people um, who need it, your willingness to to serve them. And man, we're so excited about the fly fishing show, and um, we cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, listen, if, to be if there. your listeners want more information. Uh, they can just go to www.va, the abbreviation for Virginia, 
theaflyfishingfestival.org. Or if you're in the Southwest, you can learn about the Texas Festival by going to www.txflyfishingfestival.org. If you want to learn more about me and my articles and, and my books, you can go to www.bobeasley.com, which is my name, .com, bobeasley.com. And you can, of course, follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of good stuff. But the websites for the festival and my my personal website is probably the easiest way to get in touch with me we'll, and learn more about the events. We'll make sure to link all those things in the show notes with this episode as well. Bo, can't thank you enough, man. This has been great. Joshua, anything before we wrap this up? I just learned so much, and I can't wait to shake your hand and uh, meet you in person, man. It's just about a month and a half. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, fellas. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Bo. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Dads on the Fly. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines. Thank you.